0: What is going on New York giant fans welcome back to another episode of the big blue in the Bronx podcast Please like comment and subscribe turn on post notifications So, you know when live stream out to you appreciate y'all coming back So I don't have a stand and this is only a one-time thing So with that being said, I got a new mic for my brother for boys in big apple that way It's not just you know far away bad audio shit like that and with that being said, I added a new gif in the background because not just, oh, the same thing about Midlife Stadium and stuff like that. I kind of wanted to do something different. Thank you for the inspiration, Pete Simonetti, because he does this with Twin Bill. He does this with a couple other podcasts. So you know what? I said, let's try it out. Let's try it out. So with that being said, some channel updates, and then I'll go into a little bit of a Super Bowl recap, at least my Super Bowl weekend. and. It's not necessarily too big, but I just want to talk about it a little bit because as giant fans until things get going again and really on this channel until baseball gets going again which hell we may not even see that till like May June July um you know there's not much to talk about there's not much to talk about so content creators who uh, really don't want to do basketball because the Knicks suck or they're not impressed with the Nets or whatever this story may be, or if you're not into basketball at all, and then your top two sports are football and baseball, well, you're kind of shit out of luck, unless you really want to do content on the USFL in April. Listen, everybody has their own preferences. But um, with that being said, some channel updates, Boys and Big Apple, eight ten p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Uh, our buddy Donald is expected to come on again. he's like a part of the podcast family like he's a Dan Grassa for ESPN if he fills on a Michael K. show, same thing with Rothenberg or Chris Carlin or whatever. Um, you know he, he's a part of the he's a part of the podcast family officially. might have a couple other guests on. I'm gonna try to ramp up the guests the next couple of weeks because it's going to be a dead time, especially in sports try to get as many Knicks guests on. Try to get as many fun people on as possible, because that is our objective. Not just sports, but fun. You know, getting into some bullshit topics, whatever. Uh, definitely look out for a baseball podcast. Now, obviously, I do Twin Bill. Obviously, Boys and Big Apple is about the Yankees a lot. You know, during season, we usually rant on the Yankees and talk about how bad they are, how underachieving they are, this, that, and the other thing. And do expect a video on the best Yankee rants and the best baseball rants, because... Uh, that's something I really wanted to put out really lately. I've been getting this itch for baseball and that doesn't really happen till the end of football season, but some of the warmer weather has been coming out. I'm like, it's almost time for baseball, but obviously the MLB, MLBPA are not agreeing, but definitely look out for a new baseball podcast. I'm doing it with another content creator and I try to set a couple of things up and me and him are going to set up time, stuff like that. It's going to be really fun. I think we're really going to hit it off. Uh, in terms of the baseball podcast. It's a weird combo. It's a weird combo. I'm not gonna give his name away. I'm not gonna give his fandom away because that would kind of ruin it. Everybody knows I'm a Yankees fan, but Twin Bill's still happening. That's on NYY News TV on Wednesdays, seven p.m. premiere. Um I've obviously said Boys the Big Apple. I think I'm gonna start a new series on here. I think I'm gonna start a new series on here. Probably Related to debates and I'm not saying oh well politics or anything like that I think I'm gonna start a new series and I have not thought this through a hundred percent But with that being said, I was thinking you know what? instead of just Staying behind the scenes on Twitter and not really engaging people or engaging people in arguments Why don't I just break them on the channel and let's see, you know, let's have a debate Let's actually talk some sports rather than just throwing names at each other, right? So, I I think that's definitely a possibility, definitely with the Yankees, definitely with the Giants, because those are two fan bases, especially on Twitter, that are very passionate, but also can be very stupid sometimes. So, I'm not afraid to say it. That's that. Uh, I think that's it in terms of channel updates, but definitely stay tuned. Really trying to do the best as possible for you guys, because, once again, it is a dead time. It is not a great dead time. It's like 2020 again. Where we didn't have baseball for a few months and then football season took a long time to get here. So it's it's tough. It's tough, but I'm going to do everything in my power to really bring you guys the content and just make it fun for you guys. I really want to do that. I really wanna upgrade all this crap. You know, stop doing StreamYard and go to OBS. And listen, I just want you guys to be more engaged, tune in longer. And I want to answer your questions and be able to interact with you guys a little bit more. So today we're going to evaluate the coaching staff. seems like the coaching staff has been finalized. Uh, there was a couple of rumors about this guy and this guy coming to New York. And obviously, once again, those are rumors. You'll hear it throughout the offseason. You know, oh, well, Antonio Pierce, he may have interest in the Giants job. Oh, Rob Ryan's supposed to come to the Giants. Well, those two things didn't happen. But. Uh, with that being said, I'm going to evaluate Brian Dable's staff. I'm going to talk about their resumes. Uh, with that being said, I'm not really going to introduce anyone that's old. As in, you know, staying here. I'm not going to introduce Jerome Henderson. We know who he is, what he's about. Same thing with Thomas McGahey, Anthony Blevins. And I think that's all of the coaches besides Mike Truer and Nick Williams that have been kept from the era of Joe Judge. So, let's go into it. Let's get into it uh let's go over the offensive coaching staff first i'm gonna do offense talk about it defense talk about it special teams maybe and then talk about overall and we'll get out of here because i don't expect this to be a long podcast episode but with that being said this might turn into a 30 minute segment uh 40 minute segment we'll see what happens thank you for uh just tuning in thank you for tuning in wherever you are what you're doing Thank you for taking the time out of your day and just sitting here with me and listening to me talk about the New York Giants. So Mike Kafka is the offensive coordinator. Uh, as a player, he played for the Eagles, the Patriots, the Jaguars, the Buccaneers, the Vikings, the Bengals, and the Titans from 2010-2015. He's only been coaching for a few years. He started in 2016. With the University of Northwestern, Northwestern Wildcats, same shit, different day. As a graduate assistant in 2016, if I didn't mention it already, moved up to offensive quality control coach in 2017 with the Kansas City Chiefs. Then Matt Nagy left. Eric Bieniemy was promoted. 2018, 2019 was the quarterbacks coach. 2020 to 2021 was a quarterbacks coach and passing game coordinator and in 2022 he got promoted to offensive coordinator with the New York Giants. So obviously he did want to uh, win a Super Bowl as a coach, and he was also a second team All Big Ten with uh Northwestern where he went to college. So just an overall thing, I'm going to introduce some offensive stats, some passing offensive stats, and then I'll talk about Mahomes and we will keep going on with this and talk about the whole offense at the end of what it looks like stuff like that so passing offense and i'll start in 2020 i think that'd be the right thing to do 2020 they had the first best passing offense and he was a passing game coordinator so that's where i'm getting these stats and it's tough it's really tough to evaluate a position coach properly because oh well this guy was a wide receivers coach You have to base it on drops production, that's really about it. You can't say, oh, this guy had a run-blocking grade of this, this, and this. Some people really don't trust PFF, including myself. But with that being said, the Chiefs had the first best passing offense in 2020. They had the first best total offense. In terms of passing offense, they had about 303.4 yards per game, 415.8 yards per game in total offense. They were 4th in passing touchdowns, 40 overall in completion percentage. They ranked 11th, 66.7, and then a passer rating of 107.3 overall. They ranked 4th in the National Football League in that statistic. Patrick Mahomes overall, he played 15 games, was hurt in one of the games. He was 14-1, and one, 66.3 completion percentage, 38 touchdowns, 6 interceptions, Uh, with that being said highest in yards per game 316 yards per game any other stats to really recap not really because patrick mahomes is patrick mahomes they did lose to this uh the tampa bay buccaneers in the super bowl though so there is something to add on that note just putting it out there 2021 his final year with the chiefs as the passing game coordinator his passing offense Obviously, put that in with Eric Bieniemy, but the passing offense ranked fourth, about 281.8 yards per game. The total offense ranked third, 396.8 yards per game. Passing offense, passing touchdowns, really, they ranked sixth in that category, 37 overall. Uh, passing touchdowns, completion percentage, they ranked 12th at 66.4 and then passer rating 10th, 98.1. And then Patrick Holmes on the season. Probably made another Pro Bowl. Likely that's going to be a yes. 12 and 5 is quarterback. 66.3 completion percentage. Actually the same as 2020. So that's interesting. 37 touchdowns and definitely more interceptions. 13 interceptions. He had 12 his second year in the league, really his first year, but uh, it was the second year because 2018. And 2017, he only had one game worth of snaps. But yeah, he had a high in terms of interceptions this year, and some can really argue he fucked up in the playoffs by having a really bad second half and throwing an interception in overtime against the Cincinnati Bengals, and we obviously know what happened from there. And I forgot to talk about the Super Bowl. You know what? We'll talk about that at the end. We'll talk about that at the end. So that's overall, that's Mike Kafka. That's the way his offense uh, may look. We'll talk about it at the end of you know the offensive evaluation. that being said, let's move on to quarterbacks coach Shea Tierney. And obviously, if you guys want to find out more about Shea Tierney and basically how, according to Josh Allen, he was the most underpaid staffer for the Buffalo Bills, take a look at a video I did. I think it was a podcast episode, really, I did with Shea Tierney coming to the Giants. And I read that whole article, so check that out, please. I'll probably put it in the description or somewhere. Anyway... With that being said, in 2020, he was promoted to assistant quarterbacks coach. The quarterbacks coach was Ken Dorsey, offensive coordinator Brian Vable. So I'll pull out uh, Josh Allen's stats. I'll pull out the offensive stats. So the passing offense, they rank third, 288.8 yards per game. Total offense, they rank second, 396.4 yards per game. Passing touchdowns, they rank third, 40 overall. Completion percentage, they rank 5th, 68.9, and passer rating, they rank 3rd at 107.5. Josh Allen's stats on that year, that was really his breakout year, and he's turning into a great quarterback every game. You know, he's improving and stuff like that really the last two seasons. So credit to Brian Dable, credit to the Buffalo Bills for really supplying him with the weapons, the offensive line, and the good coaching staff. But with that being said, Josh Allen, completion percentage is 69.2, a dramatic increase over 10 points from the year prior, and he really wasn't good with completion percentage his first two years. He played all 16 games, though. With that being said, 13-3 as a quarterback, uh, 37 touchdowns, 10 interceptions, 4,544 yards, with that being said, not much else to add. 170, 107.2 passer rating. And also, uh, looking for yards per game. If I could find it, 284 yards per game and a QBR of 76.6. Then you move to 2021. In terms of passing offense, they were fourth, 281.8 yards per game. Total offense, they were fifth, 381.9 yards per game. They were 7th passing touchdowns, 36 completion percentage. They ranked 23rd, 63.4. Uh, and then passer rating 16th, 91.3. So Josh Allen, he played all 17 games, so these are purely his stats. 11-6 and 6 as a quarterback, 36 touchdowns, 15 interceptions, a 63.3 completion percentage. So probably one of the backups got a few snaps. He's either Davis Webb. Or Mr. Trubisky. Trubisky, I think, got a couple of snaps in one game. But with that being said, 36-15 to touchdown interception ratio, 259.2 yards per game, a passer rating of 92.2, and a quarterback rating of 60.7. So, obviously, once again, the Buffalo Bills, they, in my opinion, were better as a team in 2020, but it's not like they weren't good as a team. In 2021, they went... 11-6, only two less wins, and just overall, both sides clicked. Both sides clicked, especially on offense, because I think in 2020, they took a drop in the rushing game, but that rushing game basically went up. You can argue, oh, percentage on first down and run play percentage, but when they ran the ball, they were efficient. At least the statistics show that. So now we move into really unfamiliar territory. Let me go into this guy. His name is DeAndre Smith. He is the running back's coach. Uh, I'm going to try to see if I could get a little bit of a resume on him. So, shoutouts to Bobby Skinner for this tweet. His coaching career goes back to Miami, Ohio. Where in 2005-2007, he was the assistant head coach or associate head head coach and the running back coach from 2005-2007. 2008, he was the Running back coach for New Mexico. Then he was the running back coach in 2009 for UNLV. My stupidity. University of Nevada, Las Vegas. So I, I kind of knew that, but I kind of didn't know that. So that's my stupidity right there. He was the Illinois running back coach from 2010 to 2011. Then back to New Mexico in 2012 as a running back coach. And I'm not going to say running back coach from now on because that's basically the position he held. Syracuse. 2013 2015 purdue 2016 unc 2017 utah state 2018 and 2019 2021 he was the texas tech running back coach Uh, with that being said let's go over some stats obviously texas tech is in the big 12 go over that i took Mostly rushing stats within the conference. I'm not going to take, oh, you know, they were this in the nation. No, that's blown out of proportion right there. But 2019, in terms of rushing offense, they were 7th out of 10 teams, 149.6 yards per game. In total offense, they ranked 2nd out of 10 teams, 474.3 yards per game. Yards per carry, it's not bad if you look at, you know, the NFL way of looking at it. The NFL microscope, 4.4 yards per carry. that's not bad but in college football that's not great Seventh out of 10 teams and then they ranked eighth out of 10 teams with 20 rushing touchdowns in terms of the running backs uh the production there so rogerick thompson had 765 yards on the ground 4.8 yards per carry 12 touchdowns armand shine had 374 yards, 5.8 yards per carry, three touchdowns, and t- I can't pronounce his name for crap. I apologize. Tazon Henry had 340 yards, 4.5 yards per carry, and three touchdowns. So 2020, the pandemic season, the rushing offense ranked sixth out of 10, 162.8 yards per game in terms of the rushing game. Then total offense ranked 4th out of 10, 429.5 yards per game. Yards per carry, once again, not totally bad on the NFL spectrum, but not great in the college spectrum. Seventh out of 10 teams with a 4.0 uh, yards per carry. And then rushing touchdowns, they had 15, which ranked 7th out of those 10 teams. And then Sir Roderick Thompson, 610 yards, 5.6 yards per carry, 8 touchdowns. Xavier White, 436 yards. On the ground, 7 yards per carry, 2 touchdowns. Then Taj Brooks, 255 yards, 4 touchdowns, and 3.7 yards per carry. So 2021, which was the final year he was there at Texas Tech. With that being said, in terms of the rushing offense, they ranked 8th, 159.1 yards per game. Total offense, they ranked 8th, 416.3 yards per game. In terms of yards per carry. 7th out of 10 teams, 4.7 yards per carry. It's not bad, once again, in the NFL uh, eye, but when you're in college, you kind of expect a little bit more. Once again, I'm not going to act like I know Texas Tech football. I don't really watch Texas Tech football. I mean, I watch college football. I'm at least knowledgeable in that area. But with that being said, I'm not a Big 12 guy. I'm not. With that being said, rushing touchdowns, I actually ranked first, 30 rushing touchdowns. So I'm going to guess... By that certain statistic that they just got in the red zone and punched it in. That's what I'm really looking at here. In terms of the Big 12, other teams they played at, uh, out of conference, I'm going to guess they just got in the red zone, punched in with their guys. With their running backs, Taj Books had 568 yards, 6.5 yards for carry, and a total of seven touchdowns. Sir so Roderick Thompson had 500 yards yards per carry, 10 touchdowns. And Xavier White had 310 yards, 3 touchdowns, 4.6 yards per carry. It's going to be interesting because they didn't do this with Rob Sale last year drafting Elijah Mitchell. But I'm going to be – I can't say actually I would be shocked, but I would not be surprised if one of these running backs, if they are declaring for the draft, if they're going to the combine, whatever, if they're going in the draft overall, I wouldn't be surprised if the Giants picked them. But at the same time, Joe Shane, the new look front office, semi-new look front office is probably going to look for, listen, we're not doing the Joe Judge way anymore, where, okay, the familiarity here, blah, 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 blah. No, we're going to look for guys with different skill sets that fit the team, and that way we fit the player. It's a beneficial relationship. So the next guy by the name of Mike Groh. He was a former offensive coordinator, for those who don't know. That was with the Philadelphia Eagles. But with that being said, Mike Groh, his full resume, stuff like that. He is 50 years old, so I think he may be the oldest coach on the staff. With that being said, he went to Virginia, so it was a college. Went undrafted in 96. His position, let me take a look. Uh, Can't really look, but yeah, quarterback. So he was a quarterback with the Ravens in 96. Then the rain fire in 97, that was NFL Europe, that was in Germany, I believe. With that being said, his coaching career started in 2000 with the New York Jets as an assistant, goes back to college, Virginia 2001-2002 as a wide receivers coach. Then he gets promoted to quarterbacks coach and wide receivers coach. Just quarterbacks coach in 04-05, offensive coordinator for Virginia 06-08, then goes to Alabama. Under Nick Saban, graduate assistant 2009. 2010, Louisville, quarterbacks coach. Back to Alabama. In 2011, 2012, Joe Judge was there. For anyone who just wants a fun fact. Wide receivers coach and recruiting coordinator. Back to the NFL, Chicago Bears. 2013, 2015, wide receivers coach. 2016, under Jeff Fisher. That's a terrible staff. To probably think about now, I'm not going to say, oh, well, you know, I'm not going to make too many assumptions, but Jeff Fisher's just a horrible coach, passing game coordinator and wide receivers coach, wide receiver coach for the Eagles in 2017. They won the Super Bowl that year, then promoted to offensive coordinator once Frank Reich left. They really didn't do good on offense in 18 and 19. Carson Wentz, I think, was broken a little bit because Frank Reich wasn't there, but Carson Wentz obviously didn't really work with Frank Reich in Indy this past season. Then he got fired, went to Indy with his buddy Frank Reich, 2020-2021, the wide receivers coach for the Indianapolis Colts, then obviously gets called with the Giants. So he's a three-time national champion in college football and a one-time Super Bowl champion. So with Mike Rowe in 2020, just some top receivers off the top of my head. T.Y. Hilton had 762 receiving yards, five touchdowns 13.6 yards per reception zach pascal 629 receiving yards 14.3 yards per catch and five touchdowns a total of 44 receptions and michael pittman jr then the rookie out of ohio state at least i'm no not ohio state usc i'm getting him confused with paris campbell but michael pittman jr 40 receptions five of 103 yards one touchdown they were 30th in drops. 30th most drops. Now, the Giants probably ranked high in 2020. So it was drops. So you know what? Maybe they do have more talent. Maybe they don't have more talent than the Indianapolis Colts. But let's let's try to stay on the field and let's not drop any passes or at least drop crucial ones, right? Giants ranked 10th this past season in drop passes. 10th most drop passes in the NFL. So this, I know a lot of people are going to say, oh, well, he wasn't good as an offensive coordinator. I'm looking at the last two years with the Colts as a wide receiver coach. So let's look at 2021. 25th in drops once again. Yes, they moved up five slots. Not a good thing. But listen, it's not top 10, nothing, top 15. Michael Pittman, 1,000-yard season, 88 receptions, 6 touchdowns, 1,082 yards. Zach Pascoe, 384 yards on 38 receptions, 3 touchdowns. And then T.Y. Hilton, 23 receptions, 331 yards and 3 touchdowns. So that's basically it for Mike grow. I like the hire. I like the hire. I knew he was beforehand. With that being said, I'm not going to have a serious problem with him right now, at least until the season starts, and maybe he and his unit don't produce. We'll see what happens, but the Giants have to get talent on that side, and they have to stay healthy. So with that being said, we'll go over to the tight ends coach. We're finishing up on that offensive side of the ball. Let's go to the tight ends coach. Andy Bischoff, I think he's actually the oldest coach on the staff because he was born in '70. He's 51 years old, went to college at South Dakota, started his coaching career at the age of 23 for Creighton, Durham Hall High School as the offensive line coach from 93 to 97, then was promoted to run game coordinator between 98 and 99, 2000, 2020, uh, 2023. Jesus Christ, that, that would be, that would be epic. That would be epic. That'd be epic. Anyway, seriousness, to 2003 offensive coordinator, 2004-2007, assistant head coach, offensive coordinator. Then he goes to the CFL with the Montreal Alouettes, 2008-2009, as the running backs and offensive quality control coach. Then stays with them again, gets promoted to assistant head coach and special teams coordinator with running backs coach as well. 2010-2012, then moves up to the NFL in 2013 with the Chicago Bears, 2014 as well he is the tight ends coach and staff coordinator i believe we just went over somebody who was with the bears during that era might be mike Rowe. might be somebody else anyway not right now baltimore ravens 2015 offensive quality control coach this is probably where he got the most popularity offensive assistant 2016 2017 then assistant tight ends coach 2018 2020 So, you automatically know some of the names that came out of that tight end room. Now, I'm not going to say it's fully him because, once again, he's not the tight end's coach. He's the assistant tight end's coach. Got guys like Mark Andrews, Nick Boyle, Aiden Hurst, etc., etc. Then, he is hired under David Culley in Houston as the tight end's coach. And then, now goes to the New York Giants as the tight end's coach as well. He is a two-time great cup champion that is for the cfl so if you guys want to check out a video i think the houston texans actually posted from this past year where he was talking about the versatility of blocking and receiving tight ends in terms of the way his tight ends did in the passing game they didn't really get the most amount of targets but with that being said let's go over it real quickly jordan akins had 24 receptions 214 yards and zero touchdowns on the season, 8.9 yards per catch. I had him on my fantasy team a little bit, but obviously didn't get me shit because you can get touchdowns or anything else. With that being said, Brevin Jordan, the rookie out of Miami, 20 receptions, 178 yards, and three touchdowns. So judging by that, I'm going to say he was. When the Texans got in the red zone, he was a target. Now the Texans were. Probably the worst offense in the NFL. The Giants were the second worst. So they likely didn't get to the um you know they likely didn't get to the red zone a lot, but when they did, it seems like they went to Brevin Jordan and a couple other guys. And then Anthony Auclair had one touchdown, five receptions for the seven yards. Farrell Brown also caught a couple of passes. I get confused between him and Farrah Cooper, but I know Farrah Cooper's with the Giants, 23 receptions, 171 yards, no touchdown, 7.4 yards per catch. So, obviously, look up that video. Andy Bischoff with the Texans will probably tell you about, oh, well, the versatility of Giants. I really like what he said. I really like what he said, and I know that's just a first impression. You can't get much off of it, but hey, listen. You learn something new every day, and you just hope that this Giants coaching staff is the real deal this time. So now we go to the offensive line coaches. This will probably finish it up. The offensive side of the football, Bobby Johnson. uh, Started his career. Actually, let's take a look at his full resume before we look at his Buffalo career. Because that would be a little bit biased. He is about 48, 49 years old. Went to Miami, Ohio. He started out at Akron as a grad assistant and defensive line coach. So he has done work on both sides of the football. He had that position between 95 and 98. Went back to his college, Miami, Ohio, 99 to 2004, as a tight ends coach and offensive line coach. Then went to Indiana in Indiana. I can talk. Indiana as the offensive line coach between 05 and 09. Then Buffalo Bills for his first tenure as the assistant offensive line coach, 2010 to 2011. Then Jacksonville, 2012 as a tight ends coach. Detroit Lions 2013-2014 as a tight ends coach and assistant offensive line coach to the Raiders 2015-2017. I believe that was under Jack Del Rio as the tight ends coach. Then assistant offensive line coach in 2018 with the Indianapolis Colts. So uh, a lot of people give credit to Chris Ballard for the picks. Obviously, we do know one of the coaches that coached that Colts offensive line, not just Bobby Johnson, but Dave D'Amelio, former Giants offensive line coach. So that was 2018. 2019 goes to the Bills as the offensive line coach till 2021. Then moves to the New York Giants in 2022. Apparently his contract was up, and there is reports really out there that say, well, the Buffalo Bills really didn't try to retain him. But just overall, I'm not gonna make a fuss and muss about it. In 2019, the Buffalo Bills offensive line gave up the 15th least sacks. They gave up 40 overall. 2020, they gave up 27 sacks. That was the 9th least. And then the 2nd least in 2021, 27 sacks. So obviously that tells one side of the story. That does not tell the running game side of the story. If you want to look that up, look that up. I'm just looking... For past purposes, at least right now, because that's the easiest stats you could look at. A, B, we really need help on the offensive line, especially in terms of both sides, but mostly protecting the quarterback. So the next guy is a known guy because of his father, but he's also had somewhat of an accomplished resume, Tony Sperano Jr., he is 35 years old, went to college at Albany. I have a friend that goes to college at Albany. With that being said, he started his career in 2010 with the Hartford Colonials as the assistant defensive line coach, meets Brian Dable in 2011 with the Miami Dolphins, offensive quality control coach, then a seasonal intern with the Jets in 2012-2013, offensive intern with the New York Jets, offensive assistant with the Jets in 2014 Moves to the Bills 2015-2016 as a tight ends coach. Then Jacksonville Jaguars in 2017-2020 as the assistant offensive line coach. He's never gotten that full title of offensive line coach. 2021, assistant offensive line coach of the Panthers, and then assistant offensive line coach of the Giants from now on. Let me see if Tony Sperano actually was a coach for the Jets during that era of 2011 and all that stuff so 2012 that kind of makes sense if he was there because um you know just the scouting intern maybe uh, maybe i was thinking nepotism but i i never really want to talk about on the dead so uh rest in peace tony sperano but with that being said let's talk about his son tony sperano jr it's not tony soprano for all those watching that commercial from the super bowl with that being said 2017 with the Jaguars. The offensive line coach was Pat Flaherty. Same thing with 2018, but they gave up the third least sacks. They gave up twenty-four sacks. You know, talking about that offensive line. Then they gave up the fourth most. A big jump from 2017. Not a good thing. Fourth most, 53 sacks. Then Pat Flaherty was fired. He went to Miami for a little bit, then was fired over there. But George Warhop took over as the offensive line coach. They give up the 15th most sacks, 42 sacks overall in 2019, 2020. They gave up the 8th most sacks, Warhop still being the offensive line coach, 44 sacks overall. Then you go to the Panthers. Pat Meyer was the offensive line coach. I believe he was fired after the 2021 season. I'm not going to say whether he's a good coach or not, but with that being said, they really didn't have the most talent on that side of the ball. Brady Christensen. Third, fourth, fifth round pick. Some of the guys they put on the off that offensive line is just like, how is that supposed to work again? Anyway, they give the fifth most sacks, 52 sacks overall. Obviously, Sperano comes to the Giants. Pat Meyer was fired, was the head offensive line coach there, et cetera, et cetera. So one more guy, and then we'll talk about overall the offensive coaching staff. So Christian Jones. Offensive assistant. This isn't like the Joe Judge coaching staff where it's, you know, we'll pull this assistant from college, this assistant, this assistant, whatever. Uh, Christian Jones, 28 years old. So that is a very young coach. Spent the previous three seasons in Minnesota. He was the offensive quality control coach for two seasons before being named the assistant wide receivers coach in 2021. So maybe there was a connection there. Andre Patterson, which we'll get to in Christian Jones. Jones began his coaching career in 2017 as an offensive intern at his alma mater, Northwestern. The following season, he was a graduate assistant at the University of Texas. And at Northwestern, when he was in college, he caught 128 passes for 1,509 yards and 8 touchdowns in 51 games. So, guessing by that and the position he worked, he was a wide receiver. So take a sip and we'll talk about this offensive coaching staff. I think it's going to be really interesting. I do like the diversity to an extent. I'm not going to get too hyped up about this because I'm numb from losing. I'm going to be honest with you guys. I'm not going to say, oh, well, the Giants got this guy and they got this guy, whatever, whatever, whatever. Um, it's been too many years with the Giants are losing and we get hyped up over this shit. In terms of the offensive coaching staff, there's some Good hires, or some hires you could say, okay, well, I have to see more out of. Shea Tierney, obviously Josh Allen calls him the most underpaid staffer with the Buffalo Bills. I necessarily don't think that's a good thing or a bad thing. Like, a good thing, like, okay, maybe he should get paid more. But in that respect, he's doing more than he should. So there's that. Mike Kafka, yes, he's never been an offensive coordinator before, and I know Brian Dable is really looking for him to call plays this season because he said he wanted to be the head coach, and that's really what they were gearing towards. Uh, with Kafka, he's only been a coach for a few years, but with that being said, former quarterback, there's a lot of former quarterbacks, they're offensive line coach, uh, offensive line coaches that are quarterbacks, coaches, and really offensive coordinators who turn out to be really good coaches. Kellen Moore is one of them. Doug Peterson was a good offensive coordinator before, head coach. I think Matt Nagy was a good offensive coordinator the year and the year after uh, Peterson left. So there's that. Uh, DeAndre Smith, I would like to see what happens. And I'm not going to say, oh, well, this, this, and this. Because college is a different game. Texas is a different game. Texas Tech, to be specific, uh, with you guys. However, with that being said, not much production from his running backs in terms of like the the 10 teams ranking them i read the offensive stats so i'm not gonna judge too harshly here we have to see on the field i'm not gonna judge it oh my god mike kafka has a home run higher this that other thing. we have to see on the field that's why i'm not being too excited over this shit um mike grow i like the hire personally because yes okay he wasn't a great offensive coordinator but you take a look wide receivers the last two years Listen, it may not be the best talent in the world, but they didn't drop a lot of passes. So there's that. Andy Bischoff, obviously you can't grade him too much on Mark Andrews because that's also tight end coach, offensive line, uh, offen- not offensive line coach. I keep saying that. Offensive coordinator, stuff like that, and just Mark Andrews being himself. Nick Boyle, Hayden Hurst, stuff like that. So that's going to be a wait and see. I like what he says, though. Once again, I'm we'll left to wait. Bobby Johnson. There was negative and negatives and positives with him coming in. But uh, with that being said, we'll see. Uh, obviously, the last two years, they haven't given up a lot of sacks on the offensive line. The depth was an issue in Buffalo. But with that being said, you know, giving up 27 sacks and giving up the second least, it's not a bad thing. And then, Tony Sperano Jr., his offensive lines that he... Coached as an assistant have not been too good have not been too good and listen once again you can't judge a position coach solely on this this and this there's a lot of different things that really mold into it but uh Spirato, we'll see what happens we'll see what happens obviously his father was a good coach of the offense and the offensive line can he be the same can he be half of that with the new york giants it's going to be interesting because The Giants are definitely taking offensive linemen. And if they play competent, Tony Sperano might get a promotion somewhere else. He might stay with the Giants. Christian Jones is an offensive assistant role, but it's not where they're hiring seven different offensive assistants because they don't know how to adjust to the NFL game. Let's talk about the defense here. Uh, Obviously, Don Martindale. I'm going to take a look at the doc I wrote up for him. Actually, you know what? I've gone over him several times as a candidate. I'm not going to go over him too much. I'm just going to run it down. Obviously, I love the hire at defensive coordinator. He was my top guy despite Vic Fangio really being a strong candidate for the job, even though the Giants really never interviewed him. With that being said, loves his DBs. Really is not a sack guy. He's more for pressure percentage scaring the shit out of the quarterback and in this era this day and age you need to work on both sides the secondary and the front end so with that being said hopefully it works he's got a track record other than 2021 of really putting it together as a defensive coordinator really getting the most out of his guys so i'm really excited i really am For Don Martindale and his defense and this one is probably one of the better hires the Giants have made That's Andre Patterson Andre Patterson is probably the oldest coach on the staff overall He's 61 Obviously the Giants had Burton burns as their annual old guy He went to Montana uh, In terms of college Worked as a grad assistant for Montana in 82. So he was 22 when he started his coaching career in 82. Then assistant coach at Renton High School between 83 and 86. St. Monica Catholic High School in 87 as the head coach. Then Weber State defensive line coach in 88. Defensive coordinator of Western Michigan in 89. Cornell defensive line coach in to 91. Fun fact I do have a family member who teaches at Cornell. So there is that. That is the school in upstate New York. Washington State, defensive line coach, 92 to 93. Cal Poly, 94 to 96 as the head coach. Jumps into the NFL in 97 as the defensive line coach. If I'm not mistaken, and I could be very well wrong with this, that was under Parcells. So he was the defensive line coach in 97. He gets his first licks with the Minnesota Vikings as the defensive line coach ninety eight to 99 Then Dallas Cowboys was that under Parcells? I don't remember. 2000-2002 as the defensive line coach. Then Cleveland Browns 2003-2004 as the defensive line coach. 2005-2006 as the defensive line coach for the Denver Broncos. Offensive line coach for Regis Jesuit High School in 2007. So that's a big downgrade university of nevada las vegas assistant head coach and defensive line coach between 08 and 09 then to utep 2010-2012 as defensive coordinator defensive line coach then fiu 2013 as assistant head coach and defensive line coach jumps back into the nfl minnesota vikings defensive line coach 2014-2021 with added positions Of co-defensive coordinator defensive line coach and assistant head coach and then obviously worked his way to the new york giants in 2022 so i really like this hire i really do that's not me just blowing smoke up somebody's ass i really do like the hire now uh you can judge obviously oh well their defense he was a co-defensive coordinator uh for the vikings the last two seasons i'm not gonna stare into that totally like others would because adam zimmer was mainly the defensive coordinator from what i heard and mike zimmer was that coach so you're probably gonna just draw the conclusion that mike zimmer was the defensive coordinator along with his son and then andre patterson had some words in there as well i'm gonna try to get the rankings Of the defenses. The last two years obviously wasn't great. So 2020. The Vikings. They ranked 27th overall. Against the pass. They ranked. Let's see. 28. 27. No I'm doing my math wrong. 29. 28. 27. 26. 25th against the pass. Against the run. The Vikings. They ranked. 27th, and then in points, the Vikings they rank 29th. Then you take a look. This past year, they ranked 30th in total yards per game, 28th in pass defense, 26th in run defense, and 24th points per game. Now let's get better with this. Let's actually go to more of the stats that matter in terms of Andre Patterson. How to evaluate him at least on a coaching standpoint? So let's go back to 2014, right? One of the big things with him is getting the most out of his players, he's liked by his players, and sacks. I'll mention something that really connects the two and how the Giants could be a good defense from 2022 to until they just blow up and really just fall off the cliff, if they even get on the cliff to fucking begin with. But with that being said, 2022, in 12 uh 2012 excuse me 2014 everson griffin had 12 sacks and he was on a defensive line tom johnson had six and a half sherry floyd four and a half same with brian robeson no pro bowlers vikings went seven and nine but the vikings ranked 12th in sacks 41 sacks overall 2015 they ranked eighth in sacks 43 sacks overall let's see if there's any pro bowlers on that defensive line Everson Griffin, Anthony Barr, that's not really his repertoire because that's not defensive line. But 2015, in terms of sacks, Everson Griffin, 10.5. Daniil Hunter, 6. Tom Johnson, 5.5. Brian Robeson, 5. 2016. Let's go to that. 2016, they ranked 5th in sacks. 41 sacks overall. Do they have any pro bowlers? They had 6. Everson Griffin, Linval Joseph, former Giant right there, 2016. let's take a look. The new Hunter, 12.5 sacks, 13.5 tackles for a loss. Everson Griffin, 8 sacks. Brian Robeson, 7.5. Linval Joseph, 4. 10.5 tackles for a loss for Brian Robeson. And I believe at the time that was an aging veteran. So, you know what? Creds to Andre Patterson, 2017. Ranked 18th in sacks, so a big drop there, 37 sacks overall. But with that being said, let's see if they got anybody in the double di- digits in terms of sacks. Well, obviously, they did better than the Giants, we all know that. Everson Griffin, 13 sacks, 16.5 tackles for loss. Daniil Hunter, 7 sacks, 11 tackles for loss. Brian Robeson, 4 sacks. Linville Joseph, 3.5. Tom Johnson, two. In terms of pro bowlers, did they have any on the defensive line? Everson Griffin, Linville Joseph, and that is pretty much it. Everson Griffin was also an All-Pro. 2018, one of their bigger years in terms of sacks. Let me just try to get on point with this one. 2018. So, fourth. They ranked fourth in sacks. 50 sacks overall. Do they have any pro bowlers? Daniel Hunter was an All-Pro and a Pro Bowl. With that being said, let's take a look at the sack leaders. 14.5 for Daniel Hunter. 21.5 tackles for loss. Everson Griffin, 5.5 sacks. 6.5 tackles for loss. Sheldon Richardson, 4.5 sacks. Tom Johnson, 4.5 sacks as well. Any Pro Bowlers? Already mentioned that. Two thousand and nineteen. Fifth in sacks, forty-eight sacks overall. Look at Pro Bowlers. Everson Griffin. Daniil Hunter. So there's that. Add that to the equation. Let's take a look at their sack numbers. Daniel Hunter, 14.5 sacks. Everson Griffin, eight sacks. I know Bobby Skinner loves to point this out. Fetty O'Denimo, seven sacks. And O'Denimo couldn't even make the Giants roster seven seven sacks overall and even years after that i think 2020 he had seven and a half or nine and a half sacks and that was a trash player that was basically the number one pass rusher there we'll get to it though Jule johnson defensive tackle three and a half sacks Neil hunter once again another great season 2020 fifth least sacks 23 sacks overall so obviously i think they lost to neil hunter for the year and Everson Griffin went over to the Cowboys if not, if I'm not mistaken. Or he went to the Lions, he went to one of those teams. No Pro Bowlers. No surprise there. Obviously, I mentioned the defensive rankings. 2020. Let's take a look at the sack leaders. Yannick Nagakwe, five sacks. Offetti Odenebo, three and a half sacks. And then DJ Wanam, three sacks. But also Julio Johnson, one and a half, and Hercules Matafa. Two and a half, James Lynch with one. So, obviously not a great year, but they bounce back despite the horrible defense in 2021. Second most, 51 sacks for the Minnesota defense. Any pro bowlers? Surprisingly not. Surprisingly not. But, let's take a look at the sack numbers once again. DJ Wanham, eight. Daniil Hunter, six. Everson Griffin, five. He comes back. Armand Watts, five. Michael Pierce from the Ravens, three. Dalvin Tomlinson, two and a half. Sheldon Richardson, two and a half. Kenny Willikus, two and a half. That's pretty much it. So, what is my point about Andre Patterson, Don Martindale? You have two plus two equals four. That's what I'm trying to say. You have two plus two equals four. And it's not really equals, but they're good in their own craft, right? So, Don Martindale, he's like, okay, listen, I like my good DBs. Um, you know, I really don't believe sacks are that important of a stat. I like pressuring the quarterback. Done. Deal. Okay? So, he likes pressuring the quarterback, blitzing, being aggressive. Then you have Andre Patterson, despite not having good back ends, at least for the last couple of years in Minnesota. A lot of good sack numbers in his coaching career. Now, obviously, once again, co-defensive coordinator in last two years, but defensive line, you would have to say that he helped with the development of Daniel Hunter, Everson Griffin, some of the other guys on that defensive line. That should not be ignored. And I know a lot of people on social media were pulling for this guy. Once he got hired by the Giants. So this is one of the more optimistic moves. One of the more optimistic hires you could say. So one guy does one thing. One guy does the other thing. Those two come together. And listen, we might have a pretty good defense next year. I'm not going to go any further than that. I'm not going to go any further than that. Drew Wilkins. He was hired as the linebacker coach. So obviously I'll go over his resume. Once again, shouts to Bobby. He was really fighting this stuff out. Started as a defensive assistant with the Ravens in 2013-2016. Apparently, he goes way back with the Ravens. I'll read it from the Giants.com description. 2017 was the assistant defensive line coach for the Ravens. Then, outside linebacker and defensive line coach 2018-2019. Then, outside linebacker coach 2020-2021. Drew Wilkins is only 34, so once again, a very young coach. Spent the last 10 seasons with... Don Martindale in the Baltimore Ravens, previous 12 seasons just overall with the Ravens, so he's been there since he was 22, was the video operations intern for two years, and was video coordinator in 2012, also a coaching assistant happening in 2013. We already went over that, and obviously talked about all the other stuff. Graduated from the University of Maryland with a double major in finance and supply chain management. While attending Maryland, he worked as a student assistant under former Maryland head coach Ralph Friedgen. if I'm saying that correctly, and current Penn State head coach James Franklin. So, that is a good resume. Now, let's move on to the other linebacker coach, John Egorugwu, if I'm pronouncing that correctly, Egorugwu, or Egorugwu. My last name is hard to pronounce. This one's hard to pronounce, so trust me, I get it. With that being said, Missouri grad assistant 2012-2014. Then he went to the offensive side of the ball. Wide receiver coach 2015. Ravens defensive assistant 15-16. Don Martindale was the linebacker coach. Quality control coach of the Buffalo Bills 2017. Ryan Dill was not there yet, but he was there when he got promoted to assistant linebacker coach 2018-2020, then spent one year as the Vanderbilt linebacker coach 2021. So, overall, Igor 35, both collegiate NFL experience, blah, blah, blah. Last three seasons with Dable, even though two different sides of the football. Um, let's see, anything else? He got his start in coaching at William Jewell mentoring linebackers from 2010-2011 to before he stepped into the NFL. So there's a fun fact there. With that being said, we went over Arubu. No need to go over Jerome Henderson, Michael Trier. Let's go over the defense, and then let's go over the coaching staff overall. Maybe I'll talk about the Super Bowl at the end, but we are going over 50 minutes here, so I don't want to take too much of your guys' time. Um, I definitely have stuff to do. With that being said, defensive coaching staff, I like it, but once again, it has to show on the field. I don't know too much about Wilkins, but the Ravens linebackers have been decent. right? Matt Judon, uh, Odafe away, really raw coming out of college, five sacks this past year. Tyus Bowser, I believe, was their leading sacker once again. So there's a couple of things to add in there. And once again, you, you could also just say, oh, well, five sacks, this, isn't this, this. Well, Don Martindale, once again, really doesn't like sacks as a total... Um, stat he likes pressure he likes splits all that other shit and probably a lot of players don't want to play for martindale not because he's aggressive but because he doesn't like the sack stat and because a lot of his linebackers really don't get a lot of sacks matt judon i mean had what 10 in his height with the ravens maybe He achieved 13.5, 14.5 with the Patriots in the first year. So it's about style. It's about style. But what I like a lot about two specific hires, Martindale and Patterson, and I like also we kept Jerome Henderson because he really, really coached up that DB room. I like it a lot that they kept him as of right now. Now they could fire him. They could let him go somewhere else, but I think it's a little too late for that. Uh, in terms of Jerome Henderson, I really, really like the hire. I really uh, really like the keep, I should say, because I said that, I don't know, the best room in 2020, I forget what I listed it as. I think I said defensive line or outside linebackers, one of them. But uh, 2021, the cornerbacks and the defensive backs really earned the spot because Adoree Jackson was good, Xavier McKinney, could have been a pro bowler. James Bradbury, yes, he had a down year. Jaron Williams, a guy who didn't earn shit snaps, you know, in 2020. 2021, he comes in, and starts two games, looks really good in zone defense, and just looks good overall. Steven Parker looked good in snaps. Aaron Robinson, the physicality of him as a cornerback will definitely fit the scheme of Don Martindale. So, once again, Jerome Henderson, yes, love that. Special teams, I'm going to go over that real quick before I go back to two defensive hirings that I really like, and I'll talk about this staff just overall. Thomas McGeehee, I know a lot of people were down on him. I personally think that Joe Judge had a lot of impact on the special teams because there was a report, I think Lawrence Tynes said or someone else said it, that he wouldn't let his coaches coach, and that's not a good thing, obviously. But McGahey, the first two years he was here on the Shermer, that special teams, the coverage, the kickers, the punters, they were just blossoming. And then Joe Judge comes in. Yes, Graham Gano is Graham Gano, but Riley Dixon sucks. The coverage sucks. So good that McGee has another chance. A lot of the Giants players do like him. And hopefully they'll play for him. Anthony Blevins does stay. I know he was assistant DB coach or assistant linebacker coach last two years. And then we keep Nick Williams as well. But back to the defensive coaches, there are two I really like, Martindale and Patterson. You have one does one thing, one does the other thing. That could be really good for the defense. One guy is really established in terms of defensive line. Sacks, maybe Dexter Lawrence does something. Leonard Williams, Austin Johnson, maybe we draft another defensive line, which I think we need to. they done Martindale. I'm not all about sacks, but I like to pressure the quarterback. I like a strong secondary. I think the strong secondary, and maybe the pass rush up front. From Henderson in the back, Patterson in the front, their units, this defense could be revitalized this coming season. Once again, I'm not putting any chips on it because, God forbid, I do what I did last year, 10-7 and Giants, they fucking get not even half of that. Anyway, offensive coaching staff, just the coaching staff overall before we get out of here, I think I'll discuss my Super Bowl thing on the Boys Big Apple Podcast because I don't want to bore the shit out of you guys um, we've gone probably over an hour right now. Maybe. I don't know. With that being said, in terms of the coaching staff, I like the diversity. I'm not talking about racially, even though, obviously, people will like that. It is what it is. I'm not going to get too much in that stuff. Anyway, I like the diversity. It's not just, oh, we're going to pull this guy because he's my friend and I know him. No. He, meaning Brian Dable, has shown the, I would say action of going outside and getting people he does not know because listen sometimes you'll have to hire your friends sometimes you'll have to hire people who have good resumes behind them obviously joe judge wanted brian Dable, didn't have any connections with jason garrett blah blah, blah blah he knew some assistants that he hired from college patrick graham knew some guys whatever the familiarity was there but the play and the production was there not there on the field james betcher You know, he pulled some guys from Arizona. Once again, the familiarity was there, but the production wasn't there. So you have your guys, you have your selection of, oh, well, this guy's young, this guy's old, whatever. And I think it kind of fits a little bit because, yeah, you have Kenny Galladay on the offense, but the offense is really trying to get younger. The offense is really trying to get younger. And the oldest guy you have is the tight ends coach. Meanwhile, the defensive side of the ball, you do have some veterans, Leonard Williams, Logan Ryan, he stays um let's see can't really say any other particular veterans i mean blake martinez james bradley those are veterans so you typically have older guys martindale patterson on the defensive side of the ball but once again that's not too much of a problem you have your mixture of old you have your mixture of young and coaches that really like to adapt and i'm really excited for the potential this coaching staff i'm not going to make too many bets on it so uh, with that being said like comment and subscribe turn on post notifications so you know when a live stream pops or video drops. Appreciate y'all coming back. Obviously, boys in the gaple, 8, 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Wednesdays. Uh, thinking about that a debate series. Obviously, I'll keep you guys tuned in. Also, look out for a baseball podcast when the baseball season does start. going to do it with another content creator. The announcement will come out at a different time because we haven't settled it yet. Plus, I don't want to give anything away. Um, bill. Eight 7pm uh, NYY News TV check out the premiere give us a 5 rating 5 star rating on Apple Podcasts that being for Big Blue in the Bronx and NY- NYY News uh, for Twin Bill also please help us out Manscaped obviously you guys know the code I can't advertise it on here Twin Bill 20 I'm not going to read all the shit but with that being said go on social media Twin Bill 20 if you want to get Manscaped Peace out, guys. See you later. Stay cool, and thank you for supporting.